Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you back on. This is the fifth episode, and I know I said last time was the fifth, but it was technically the fourth, and I just got mixed up with my numbers. But anyway, welcome, welcome back. I am super duper excited to record another podcast. And I hope you don't mind my really weird long intros, but they get me, just turning on the freaking voice notes on my phone gets me really excited. And I don't always know what's going to come out of my mouth, but regardless, I am just very happy to be on here expressing my joy of birding, of photography, of life, of nature. You know, it's, it's all good around here. It is Monday, June 28th here in New York City. It is 4.11 p.m. And usually I record my podcasts and then they come out the week after. Um, so they're, they're week delayed, but who cares? <laughs> it's all good here. Anyway, um, I don't have a particular topic in mind. Let me think. Let me think of a topic. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um, I kind of just wanted to give you guys an update of what I've been doing in life, what's been going on, how I've been feeling about things, you know, I'm all about the feels. I feel like whenever I do something, I always have to go all in to it. Not necessarily like go hard, but just fully with my heart, go all in. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I love the podcast, because I can do it when I feel really called to and luckily enough it's been weekly so i'm happy that i've been consistent i plan on being consistent if not more frequent with the podcast um but you guys have to let me know what you guys want to hear from me so i can talk about it because i literally never plan what i'm gonna say i kind of just turn on my thing and go for it um how many minutes has it been it's been two minutes of rambling so far so let's just get into updates um it's been hot very very hot in new york and it's currently in the 90s it's going to be pretty high 90s this whole weekend as well as the whole week and uh, to be honest i haven't really been out the past few days the last time i was out was on friday i believe so friday saturday sunday so about three days since i've been out birding i try to go out once every other day because I have a lot of free time and I don't mind or I I really enjoy just being outside but you know I also like to spend my time wisely and so if I feel like it's going to be not such a great day for birding whether it's because it's hot or the light is harsh or it's just raining all day which has been happening the past few weeks you know with inclement weather and stuff I try to stay home and use my time pretty productively so if you guys are ever interested in what I'm up to in a day um, I have a few things that I'm juggling right now so I have been applying to grad schools I know crazy it's June and I'm still applying to grad schools Um, but I kind of had a reinvigoration of my goals and aspirations in life and I decided why not just give it a fair shot I feel like I didn't really give it the full effort that I could have this past spring. I mean, it's still kind of spring, but like when all the deadlines were happening and things like that, but you know, it's never too late. It's been like three years since I've been out of college. 
and I definitely want to go to go for grad school because what I want to do is become an ecologist, work on restoration projects, work on research, be super hands-on in the field, and I know that in order to be qualified for the lot of jobs that I want to do in life, I have to go to grad school. So that's kind of a, a prerequisite for my field of study. Um, ideally, I would love to be working in birds, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, although for my master's, I definitely want to focus my thesis on something bird-related. And I kind of have this idea and that I want to focus on a particular ecosystem, whether that be forest ecosystem, a marsh habitat, you know, uh, grassland habitat here. Well, grassland in quotation marks because grasslands in New York are really just restored landfills, which is very, very cool. And I love that history of it. Um, but I want to focus in on a habitat and I guess do a project somewhat surrounding restoration of previously degraded areas around New York and seeing how that impacts bird populations. Um, there was this other study that was done, what, 10 years ago at this point by this guy who, where did he go? I think he went to Columbia for his master's. Oh God, I'm fudging the details. But anyway, his PhD work was on trying to see whether the, the composition of urban parks in New York City had an impact on bird migratory bird diets as they landed down in New York, in Central Park, and lots of other parks throughout the city. Um, and whether it had an impact on their diets. And so they took poop samples, they they uh, misnutted birds, so they did all that field work and everything, and I think they didn't necessarily come out with conclusive results, um, although it was a really good starting point because I don't think that any other previous research had been done in that area. So what I would be interested, and I know this guy, he's also doing some work on invasive species as well, and I believe he's stationed out in Connecticut right now, um, but I believe the work that he's doing right now has a lot to do with even more so on invasive species now, and the whether or not the increase in invasive species has an impact on insect biodiversity or insect populations in general and how that affects bird diet, like migratory bird diets. And I forgot to mention that his study species was oven birds. And I think that was mainly because of their eating styles that they would actually feed mainly on um, insects that dwell on the ground. And so it was definitely much more, um, it gave like much more conclusive results because they were kind of directly foraging on ground dwelling insects. And so that had to indicate something about what was located on the ground floor. So what plants, what vegetation are impacting the biodiversity and abundance of arthropod species. So that is something that I would definitely be interested in studying in college, in master's program. 
I have a few different advisors that I've been reaching out to that are very interested in taking on students for the fall semester, but the thing with the master's program, and this is something that I think for any undergrad or for anyone who's freshly out of college who's interested in um, in going into grad school, this is definitely something that you have to be aware of, is funding. So usually for master's students, it's going to be a lot more difficult to acquire funding for whatever reason. I think it's just because it's a shorter program, you have less, I guess, invested in in doing a master's program because it's only two years as opposed to a PhD where it's five years and you know if you're paying out of pocket for five years it's kind of shitty <laughs> really really shitty so um, ideally you should be getting funding I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get funding for my master's but I know that at the very least I'm gonna definitely want to be able to support myself and so that's definitely one of the big one, uh, it's not one of the biggest impetuses, but it's definitely a motivational factor for me in terms of my business and how I want to continue growing and expanding and getting more students on board with my program. Not only getting more students, but also working with people more longer term that um, who are interested in working with me. So that is definitely something that I am playing around with with my businesses. You know, if you know my program is one month long, which is quite short, and I have been thinking about creating a longer term program for people that is intensive in the beginning, but then over time it becomes less intensive. So I would just be doing photo reviews for people, giving people personalized advice twice a month and have them, you know, help them continue growing and developing their skills. Um, whereas in the one month program, it's quite intensive. I give you different topics and lessons to go through. A lot of people like to take notes and I record all of my lessons so that you guys can listen back on them after the fact. But um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I am thinking about doing something longer term with people. So that, I mean, I guess that's the update. The last time that I was out birding, I was over at the beach. I was at like a marshy area, salt marshy area, and I got really close to this great egret, and I got some pretty good shots from that. I got a really up close shot, lots of really up close shots. I mean, I was within like six to ten feet of this bird, and these birds are pretty big, so... Um, there were definitely times where I couldn't fit the whole bird at my 500 millimeter focal length, so I had to go down to like four or 300 millimeters because it kept like inching closer and closer to me. And that's one thing that I always tell my students is, you know, always place yourself in an area that you know the bird is kind of inching their way towards, especially when it comes to shorebirds and waders and waterfowl too, actually. Um, because that way you're going to have them continually approach you and get closer and closer to you without it being the opposite, without you having to be the one to get closer and closer to them. Because we all know that if you try and approach birds too close, they kind of get spooked and they end up flying away. So the ideal situation is for always to have them to be the ones approaching you. So that's kind of what I ha what happened in the case of this great egret. 
I basically laid on the sand. I knew that it was coming my direction, so I laid down about 30 feet away from it. I kind of took took pretty good photos of it from 30 feet away, but then I waited and waited, and it ended up getting super close to me and catching like little fish and shrimp. It must have caught like 10 different things um, while I was there, and I actually got... So what egrets do is they catch something, and then because their bill is so long, they kind of have to fling it in the air and then like gulp it down their mouth. So what it had to do was it had to like fling these like little tiny pieces of shrimp, these tiny little fishies, and it did that several times, and I actually got two very like, like very perfect photos of it flinging it into the air, um, and it being like mid-air, but also within its bill still and then gulping it down. So I have photos of like the whole process, which I absolutely love. Um, and so that was great. I also took photos of killdeer. Um, the thing with my killdeer photos was that I was not very close to them. And I think because of that, I got a lot of heat haze. So I was on the sand with these killdeer and I guess the sand was still quite hot. And I was looking at my photos in the field, and I was like, damn, you know, these photos are really blurry, like, I wonder why. So I zoomed in, and I realized that I had a, a, I had a whole bunch of heat haze. So that kind of ruined a lot of my photos, although I still might post a killdeer photo, who knows, maybe on my story. Um, but then I was trying to approach them a little bit closer, and this was before I saw my Greek egret, so I kind of, like, after this, I was like, all right, maybe I shouldn't be approaching them super close. But as I was trying to approach them closer on the beach, they ended up kind of spooking and flying away, and I felt really bad about that. So it was at that point where I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get close to these birds anymore, you know? Let me just sit and wait out. And for the Greg, you know, it worked out. So that was good. Um, and then the other thing that I, did, I do remember taking pretty good photos of were these barn swallows. And um, I found this pair of fledglings on this bare tree out by this grassland area at my park. And I ended up catching some really awesome feeding moments between them and the mom. And I was able to, I didn't capture this, but I was able to see the mom feeding them midair, which was so, so incredible. And I absolutely loved that. It was such a good time. You know, the funny thing is the more and more I go out, the more I realized that, you know, the memorable moments aren't necessarily the ones that you capture. I mean, the photo is amazing, and it's like evidence of what an amazing experience you just had, but for me, sometimes the most memorable things aren't always the things that I capture in a photo. Um, and I've just been, you know, being patient with myself on that, you know. I think just being able to be outside in of itself is such a blessing. And then the other thing that I did see that day, in addition to the barn swallows, was a baby, a fledgling orchard oriole being fed by its mama. And that was really, really cool. I saw the mama getting a whole bunch of berries. I think the raspberries have been getting ripe, or the, the blackberries have been ripening. And she was just feeding this baby so many berries. And I was with it for like an hour and um towards the end of it the baby was just like so tired and full of berries that it was just falling asleep on this little branch and it was the most cutest thing and 
I was meaning to post a story about this, but I, you know, it slipped my mind. But I was thinking, like, you know, I have such a love-hate relationship with urban photography sometimes. Like, I loved the fact that this fledgling and this mama were literally, like, right out in the middle of the path. Like, actually, this the branch was, like, out in the middle of the path. And people were walking by, and, you know, the mama was definitely being wary of people it wouldn't feed the baby whenever people were passing by but at the same time like if given any other circumstance any other location besides new york city i don't think that this fledging would be out in the middle of a pathway with tons of people walking bicyclists people blasting music but i I really don't think that this would happen in any other place besides new york city so that's what I love about New York and what I love about city birding. But at the same damn time, it's like people keep on passing by. And I'm like, come on, guys, I'm trying to take a photo of this bird. And I would, you know, wait for wait really patiently for the mom to come back and feed the baby or about to feed the baby. And then, of course, some random person would just like come walking through and the mom would like fly away or just, you know, get scared off a little. And it was definitely a persistent bird. So I give it that, and it kept coming back to its baby, even though there was lots of activity going on, because it was determined to feed its baby. But at the same time, you know, I was like, damn. You know, when you're unaware of nature and wildlife, I guess, you know, people just don't really realize what's going on in the world around them. They don't realize that, like, I mean, it even happens to me sometimes, too. I don't even realize that there's a deer like five feet away from me and I accidentally scare it off or there's even a bird. Um, So yeah. It's actually cool though when you get to see unusual things out in the forest because I'm gonna post this soon but I didn't want to post it right away because I didn't want people to, whoever is like familiar with New York to come to the park and be like, oh my god, there's snakes in the park Um, or herpers or anyone who wants to take the snakes but I did see snakes um, a few months ago at my park, at a park, and I ended up taking some really cool photos. They're eastern milk snakes, and I actually saw them raid a baby mouse nest, and one of them ate the baby mouse. There was two baby mice, and there was two eastern milk snakes, and they were sniffing around this like little pile of dirt, and I was like, oh my god, what are they doing? Like, what are they sniffing at? And they were out in the open, too. They were like right off the path. New York City wildlife is so so weird but um yeah they were sniffing out these baby mice like little uh what do you call them pinkies but they weren't pinkies they were they had fur and everything they just couldn't see yet um and that was really cool so hopefully you guys will see that picture soon um and that's pretty much where I'm at right now you know I was explaining this to one of my students earlier but Every season has like a specific species that bird photographers tend to focus on. You know, for the spring it's warblers, for the summer it is, it tends to be shorebirds. Um, For the winter it's waterfowl, things like that. So I have not really done as much shorebird stuff as I've been wanting to. You know, the areas that have piping plovers and terns and even killdeer, you know, I mean, there's killdeer around, but it's really not to the extent that they're easily accessible and readily available to be photographed. 
So if I really do want to get some shorebirds and oyster catchers too, and black skimmers, I mean, yeah, so many, so many of them. Um, so if I really did want to get shorebirds, I'd kind of have to go pretty far to get them. Um, but I do want to make some time this summer to do that because when I went out to Long Island last summer, it was so freaking amazing. I saw leaf sandpipers, sanderlings. That was actually my life for sanderling was last summer. Um, it was so amazing. I got to see them like run out into the ocean and then run away from it and then run back out and then run away from it. So out of all the shorebirds, sanderlings are definitely some of my favorites. But oyster catchers are really, really amazing too. I actually just posted a in-flight pair of oyster catchers that were vocalizing super loudly right over me and I got a chance to utilize that R5 autofocusing and take some photos of some oyster catchers in flight and that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, you know, I really want to try and get some shorebirds out there. So hopefully I get a chance to do some Long Island stuff, to do some Queen stuff. You know the deal, New York City people. Um, so yeah, I think that's my main goal. Aside, of course, from once I submit this application for grad school, I think I'm just going to be focusing a lot on research, applications, jobs, and things like that. So it's a little bit more low-key, less stress on me. I literally, like had the worst anxiety this morning that I have had in months just because I had to edit my application essay for this grad school application and um yeah you know I have I definitely have a lot of fears I guess going back into academia but at the same time I know that it just boils down to me learning how to balance my responsibilities with my mental health, knowing when to take a break, not letting that inner voice kick my butt and tell me I'm not good enough and end up procrastinating because that's usually how it is. It's like, I feel like I'm not really good enough or qualified enough to get started on this project or I feel like it's going to take a lot of work to get me to a point where um, I feel ready and happy and confident to start it. And then at that point, it's like super late in the process and I get stressed out because it is super late in the process. And then I end up having to rush it. So I'm sure you guys can relate if you are serial procrastinators like I am. I am reformed. I'm trying to be reformed. And this is the new me. This is the new Alyssa. And this is the kind of energy that we are going into the second half of 2021 with. So yeah, I know a lot of people actually applying to grad schools or, or continuing their education who are in my age group, like mid-20s, and I'm super, super excited for them, and I, I can't wait. I wish them all the best. Um, I also know a lot of people who are delving into the entrepreneurship space, you know, and I will talk more about this as I kind of formulate more ideas around it, but I am so freaking passionate about, like, just encouraging people to start their own business because it has been one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life and it's I've only been doing it since March so I've only been March April May June so like four months at this point not even um so it's been one of the best things for my self-confidence for how I feel about myself for I mean just having money as a side hustle you know and it's one of those things where like it's just totally reformed my thinking of like my my value my valuing my time is what I'm saying 
how I value my time and how I see money because I feel like, and I could totally rant on this for a whole nother thing, but I feel that we have always been brought up thinking like, okay, you know, we're all going to work these nine to fives and it's all about how much they pay us hourly and our time or our value is basically our hourly rate. But at the end of the day, we still have to work 40 hours a week and we only get two days off during the week, you know, on our weekends. And then we only get two weeks off for vacation during the entire year. And it's like this whole thing. It's this whole like indoctrination in our society. And don't even get me started on that stuff because it's crazy. I could actually create a whole nother podcast on just uh, self-development, spirituality, thinking about how to live your fullest life the way that you want to because I don't think I don't think that life should be all work and that's the thing like I really don't think that you should be working a job that you hate and this is so privileged I get that this is so super duper privileged but like if you hate your job why are you sacrificing your mental health just for a paycheck like and then at the end of the day what are you really spending your money on you know, you're just spending it on necessities and maybe even things that you don't really need, you know? So, uh, I could talk so much on this, but, um, it really starting my business has just transformed the way that I think about money. And I think this whole new space of creating a business totally virtually whether it is you know you're selling things online or you are selling lessons online or creating youtube videos online like all of this has just changed the game and it really can it goes to show you that you can actually pursue your passions and monetize them in a way that i don't think you really ever could have prior to just recently within even this the past five years even just within the past year you know with the whole pandemic so many people have been creating their own online businesses their own stores their own brands they're having these sponsorship deals and just making so much money and it's like you know that's just amazing I think that's so incredible that they get to do what they want to do and make money out of it um so anyway long story short that is like such a thing that I want to be able to coach people through and kind of get over their mindset blocks and really figure out how you can monetize your hobby, your passion. And I specifically want to do it for bird photographers because I know there's a lot of bird photographers out there who invest so much time, so much energy, and so much money into this hobby. And I know like like don't even play I know you guys want to get something back out of it in return because it's like you know you you give your all into this you give your heart into it and I think it's totally valid that you do want to make some money out of it like I really I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of um and so yeah I definitely know that within the next few months I'm gonna be toying around with that idea I am talking to a few students on the side about that because I know that there are people who have already sort of like reached out to me and who are interested in in that whole process of 
monetizing a photography business and I'm just so willing and able to help them and I just I'm super excited but yeah I am ah, it's super hot and you guys have no idea like I am so invested in you guys like I want you guys to succeed and I'm assuming a majority of you are coming off from my Instagram so my Instagram followers you know what's up you know like my my whole spiel and what I'm all about. I absolutely love this whole thing when it comes to bird photography, conservation, community, connecting with people. And I think that at the end of the day, it's just all good vibes. It's just all good energy. And when you are aligned with your purpose, that is when you are truly benefiting the people and the world around you. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to be freaking Gandhi. You don't have to be Mother Teresa. You can just truly pursue what you want to pursue because it is coming from the heart and you feel aligned to do it and you feel energetically inclined to really just truly show who you are from the core. Because if you're doing anything other than that, then that is a disservice to you and that is a disservice to the people around you that is a disservice to the world. So just think of it like that. You owe it to the world to be yourself. And with that, I will end this podcast and I hope you guys enjoyed my updates. Let me know if you guys would like me to do some more updates. I'm thinking maybe I'll even up the podcast to maybe twice a week. We'll see how that works out. But yeah, I am actually planning on either later this week or next week having on a guest speaker. So be on the lookout for that next time. We're going to be talking about gear. Uh, which is a hot topic that I know everyone loves to talk about. Um, and I'm going to be talking about it with one of my favorite people on Instagram who is such a gearhead and um, knows so much about lots of different lenses and cameras and is also super specialized in what they do and um, is a very skilled photographer. So with that, yes, again, podcast is going to end now. <laughs> Hope you guys have a great rest of your fabulous, amazing day and a great rest of your fabulous, amazing lives. And uh, yeah, I will see you guys later on Instagram and on the podcast. So cheers. Bye-bye.